What do the following things have in common, aside from the fact that they're all evil? Slavery, segregation, abortion, producing pornography, physician-assisted suicide, the Holocaust, prostitution, and apartheid? The answer is, my brothers and sisters, somewhere in the world, at some time in the recent or distant past, all those things I just mentioned have been legal, and some still are. Slavery was legal in the United States until 1865. In other countries, it's still legal today. The Civil Rights Movement in the 1960s happened because, at the time, segregation was legal in many of our southern states. The Supreme Court legalized abortion in 1973. Producing pornography is a billion-dollar industry in the United States and in most other places. Seven states in our nation so far have legalized physician-assisted suicide in recent years. So has Washington, D.C. Hitler legalized the Holocaust himself. According to one organization that monitors such things, prostitution is legal in more than 70 countries in our world right now, and of course it's legal in our own state of Nevada. Apartheid only ended in South Africa a couple of decades ago. I mention this today because many people in our nation right now confuse legality with morality. So they presume that if something is legal, it automatically becomes moral. That's not the case, as these eight examples illustrate very clearly. Slavery, segregation, abortion, producing pornography, physician-assisted suicide, the Holocaust, prostitution, and apartheid are all immoral. Whether or not they're legal in any country, or every country. Which brings us to the second reading we just heard. One, it's taken from the, one of the shortest books in the New Testament, St. Paul's letter to Philemon. Philemon was a wealthy Colossian man who had become a believer in, in Jesus Christ through St. Paul's missionary efforts. Philemon was also a slave owner, like many other wealthy men of his time. Lest we forget, in the first century, Slavery was pretty much a universal phenomenon. In the Roman Empire, it was definitely legal, and since Christians had no political influence at the time, men like St. Paul were in no position to change existing Roman laws. The most somebody like Paul could do, most he could do in Colossians 4 and Ephesians 6, was to tell masters to treat their slaves with fairness and with kindness. So hopefully Philemon treated his slaves with greater respect after his conversion, but he did own them, nonetheless. Well, one of these slaves was a young man named Onesimus. At some point prior to the writing of this letter, Onesimus had escaped from Philemon, and he had taken some of his master's stuff in the process. That made Onesimus a thief, as well as a runaway slave. Then he met St. Paul who happily converted him also to Christ. Paul at the time was in prison. The apostle then sent Onesimus back to Philemon. He sent the runaway slave back to his master, along with this letter that we heard part of today in today's second reading. 
He sent him back because of the existing civil law in the Roman Empire. But in the process, he made very clear that he wanted Philemon to freely make the choice to do what was morally right and disregard what was legally permitted. His message to the slave owner was, look, I could order you to do the right thing here and free Onesimus, since I'm your spiritual father. I'm the one who brought you to Jesus Christ. But I'm not going to do that. I want you to do the right thing of your own free will. I want you to choose to act virtuously here. So I'm honoring the law of the Roman Empire, unjust as it is, and I'm sending Onesimus back to you. Please understand, after he escaped from your service, I brought him to the faith too. He's also my spiritual child now. And if he's my spiritual child, and you're my spiritual child, that makes the two of you brothers. Brothers in the Lord, brothers in Christ. So I ask you to receive him back as your brother, not as your slave. And if he owes anything to you because of what he stole, charge it to me as his father, as his friend. I'll be more than happy to pay his bill. St. Paul understood that legality and morality are two different things in this fallen world of ours. In a perfect world, they would be the same. In a perfect world, legality and morality would be exactly the same. In a perfect world without any sin in it, all of our civil laws would be rooted in the natural moral law. That's the law we find primarily in the Ten Commandments. But this world is far from perfect, as we all know. And as we see every election year when we go to the polls to vote for people, the people who want to be the makers of our laws. That means as Catholics, as Christians, the important question, the key question, the crucial question for us on election day should always be, which candidate will best support the natural moral law in his or her legislative work? Which of these candidates will best support the natural moral law in his or her legislative work? In other words, which one of these candidates will do the most to make what's moral legal? And that's the person we should vote for always.